This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Are you ready to be fucked, man? Providing insight. It kind of sounds like some kind of howler monkey. Commentary. It's a vaginal lead-up. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. And now, Gutterball. Beep. It wasn't a very, normally I do like a, a very um, enthusiastic beep there. That's our sync point, I guess. Maybe we should talk about that at some point. Because it's kind of weird. I've been leaving that in there when I put the episodes together. I'm leaving those beeps in there. I've, I've noticed. Just because I think it's funny. I'm of two two minds on that. But yeah, that's oh, important. I am. We'll, we'll I am to too. That. I am too. But it's just that's our sync point because we record separately and then sync it up. But anyway, it's normally a more exuberant beep. I'm excited to be here and record it. But there's um, obviously this episode has sort of a somber tone to it. Because we learned about the passing, when I say passing, I mean death, of uh, P.S. Hoff. He has left us. Yes. Brant. Brant. Brant is gone. Everyone's favorite. The man who inhabits every fiber of every character he plays. Yes, some have called him the greatest actor of his generation, and I can't really disagree with that. Um, we've talked previously, you know, about his nose flares and, right. you know, finger rigidity and everything. I mean, he totally has complete control of his body in a way that I don't understand how it's even possible. No, neither do I. But... Yeah, and he's had so many great roles, and like you said, yeah, just the talent he's brought to them. Well, and surprising roles, too. It's not always like, it's like, I, we'll put a link to this, but the the one article I read was, um, you know, they kind of compared P.S. Hoff to Daniel Day-Lewis, who is another one of those, like, way, like, just icons of the craft, you know, but Daniel Day-Lewis could not play a sweaty basketball guy in Along Came Polly. It just wouldn't work. P.S. Yeah. Hoff can pull that off and make it hilarious. Daniel Day-Lewis couldn't be some guy at a party who comes up and says, I sharted, I gotta go, you know? He couldn't right. do it. He couldn't do it. And, like, that was, you know, Day-Lewis was... Pretty much the only person, the only other actor of this generation that they could even put on the same level as P.S. Hoff. But his range was just not even close. He plays those bombastic, iconic, like intimidating characters. But P.S. Hoff can do that and everything else. Right. I mean, think of him... Yes, yeah, so, so like, you know, more comedic roles, like Along Came Polly. I'd even call Brant, you know, maybe in, oh. in that realm. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. But then, yeah, then like more recently, like The Master. Oh. Right? 
bump talk about just yeah you know a gravitas there or you know he won the oscar for capote capote right capote. i don't know why capote. capote i guess capote yeah capote yeah capote. it's just hard to say it without saying truman first right truman capote but he did um yeah i mean like think okay so think of brandt mm-hmm. then think of capote and then think of the master right Crazy. And then think of like Red Dragon where he plays the sleazy like tabloid reporter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I didn't see, there was a clip in the Atlantic article that kind of put these different clips together to show the range. And it's not just the range, like he played different types of characters. Again, the way he was a completely different person in each of these characters. Right. Like in the one clip they had, which I haven't seen this movie, Charlie, Charlie Wilson's, Wilson's War. War. I have not seen that either, and it's like, holy shit, he looks like a completely different person. Just in the little clip I saw, and I haven't seen the movie, but I'm gonna have to watch it now, I guess. And uh, also, like super villain in, you know, I recently had a uh, sort of uh, Mission Impossible Renaissance where. For some reason, I don't know. I just was fascinated with the entire, the entire series of Mission Impossible. So I rewatched all of the Mission Impossible series, and Brant, and by Brant I mean P.S. Hoff. He plays a super villain in Mission Impossible Three. I want to say Mission Impossible Three. Yeah, no, that's correct. That's he, right. He plays I wasn't a super villain, right? Yeah, and that's again another just totally transformed role. And he's like terrible. Like you're really creeped the f out yeah. by that. Yeah, but he doesn't have yeah that type. Like all these characters are just different. It's not just like oh he plays these different characters, you know, gets dressed up in different makeup or something. Right. Like, his entire body, his entire body language, his voice, everything is changed. The fiber of his being changes somehow. Yeah, like in this Capote clip that was in this Atlantic article, like I was watching that, revisiting that, and, you know, again, just his body language. Because even like the first part of the clip, he has no words. Right, just these like convicted murderers are talking, and it kind of cuts to his reaction, and just that alone, it was like just so powerful and real and moving, and there was just so much of a performance there, even though he was just kind of standing there with his head down. Hmm. So he did more with non-speaking moments than most actors do with speaking moments. That's when you know. I would, I would say that's true. Yeah, you've really <laughs> done something. Just your little nostrils flaring out, or like the hunch of your shoulders as the dude like fingers the shoe, fingers the hole. It's just a hundred percent. Every molecule, like he had the essence of every character. Like you said, he's not like, it's not the makeup, it's not necessarily the script, he just inhabited every character, from romantic comedies, to horror, to thrillers, to action movies, to straight up comedies, The man, and he, he had, um, 
you go to his IMDb page, he was in like 50 movies. Yeah, as actor, it's 63, but I mean, some of those are shorts and TV movies and TV, like if you go way back, like his first thing listed is an episode of Law and Order in 1991, which I would love to go back and see that. So I mean, it's yeah, like lo- looking at this, he was also in Liberty, the American Revolution TV miniseries as Joseph Plum Martin. That was in 1997. Scott- I'd love to find a clip of that. Scotty J. He was Scotty J. in 1997. Oh, yeah. That, I th- that is the first. That's where he really arrived, I think. Yeah, that's where he became a person. Like when I saw him in Lebowski, I was like, oh, it's the oh, Boogie Nights. Right. Scotty J. Yeah. Can I kiss you? I just want to kiss you. So uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> horrible that scene. Horrible. I mean good yet horrible in its awkwardness. And this was before that like whole culture of awkwardness really arrived. Yeah, the Judd Apatow culture of awkwardness. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole you know, Ricky Gervais in the office right. slash um I don't know. Yeah, the, Louis uh, C.K. I guess much yeah. much later. Right, and the uh, what? Curb your enthusiasm. Yes, curb. I mean, I'm thinking, yeah. But oh, speaking of which, I don't want to get too derailed here. But did you see the little uh, promo for the new Seinfeld thing during the Super Bowl? Did you watch the Super Bowl I, at all? I I saw the promo. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Go. I saw the promo for the Seinfeld episode. Awkward and terrible and uncomfortable, and it's going to suck? Is that your thoughts? Um, It definitely seemed a little weird. I was kind of confused, because, I mean, I'm just kind of confused on the whole thing, because I know he has that comedians in cars thing that he does, and I never really watched it, but I just kind of felt like, oh, it's just kind of like some, like, you mean you he, know, he's still working, Seinfeld? It's like an internet show that he has called Comedians in Cars. Huh. It's been out for a while. Like, I want to say a couple years, but I don't really know. No, where I, he just, no like, drives around with another comedian in the car, and they record it. So it's kind of like a podcast. So it's like kinda The like, Trip, which you haven't watched, which you should. That's that Steve Coogan thing? Yes! Come on, Rob I Ryden, see that, small and man I'm like, I know, that doesn't sound good. Hey, I have no idea. I? I, it could I be way wrong. I don't know where I am. I'm a tiny man trapped in a box. Come on, you gotta do it. All right, if you say so, I'll check it out. Because Netflix is always popping that up as a suggestion, and I'm like, I don't know. That can All only right. serve you well. Like, think it's going to suck really bad. Because yeah. it does. It sucks really bad. Well, I just even want you to... you recommending it, I don't really believe you. <laughs> I just want like, you to join in my torture. That's right. all. Yeah. Can but, you please uh, join me? Yeah, so the whole thing, it definitely looked weird. I mean, it definitely looks weird if you're going to say, oh, it's like a Seinfeld remake or reunion or something. I mean, it's really just his internet series where he kind of just talks to other comedians. Well, that's not that what I saw. Watched. What I but, saw during the Super Bowl was him and George in the diner, like, doing a Seinfeld moment. Right. Well, what it sounds like, it was like, okay, it was an advertisement for his web series, which is now on, which, well, maybe it was always on Crackle. I didn't realize that. What's that? Some, like, thing. I don't know. It's like Sony's attempt to make, like, a Hulu or something. I see. I could be, like, way off on all this. But anyway, yeah. So the bottom line is it did look kind of bad, but it was also, like, 
I hate to say it, but it's kind of like, okay, like, I don't know. There yes. wasn't it. Just say uh, it, man. Give well, us the unvarnished like, Lars just, von Trier truth right now. Like, I always thought of cars, comedians driving in cars or whatever it's called, as a, in essence, just like, even though it's Jerry Seinfeld, he has millions of dollars. A masturbatory. Like, uh, no, just it's just like a web show. It's like a YouTube channel. Self-aggrandizing. It's like it's it's very similar to maybe like what we do, except we're not Jerry Seinfeld, right? We're not that. Oh, I see. It's just a dude on the internet, right? He he's like, well, I don't really need to make any money, so I'll just do what I like, and I'm going to make a show where I talk to people, and I'll just put it on the internet. Why can't I do this? And he points exactly. at the camera. Yeah, so he's doing that, and that's what it is, and it's like... All right, well, okay. good for him, then. So he just kind of threw this on, and the difference, again, the difference between him and Maisie, between us and him is that he's Jerry Seinfeld, so he could afford a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, say, a watch $4 my, million watch dollar my, Super Bowl <laughs> ad. Watch my internet series. Come tune into Gutter Balls. I'll spend $4 million to make sure you do. I mean, I could be, um, I could be spewing such misinformation <laughs> right now because this is just my perception. It wouldn't be the fucking first time, man. No. <laughs> Sometimes you are completely erroneous about things. Comedians in car carrying coffee. Like, really, it's going to be like it wasn't Jerry Seinfeld's show at all. It was like Ray Romano and Bruce Willis. Right, and it's actually on the WB. Like, like wearing, like, silken gloves and slapping each other in the face. It wasn't Jerry Seinfeld at all with comedians. That wouldn't surprise me. All right. Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee is an American comedy web series by comedian Jerry Seinfeld. The series is broadcast on the internet and premiered on July 19th. 2012. You're speaking strangely. It's almost as if you had memorized these words. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting a. Oh, you're reading from, them the, from the internet. Oh, yes. I see. Mm. The show is supported by digital network Crackle. Episodes follow a format of Seinfeld introducing a vintage car, picking up the guest comedian, and taking them out to have coffee or to a restaurant. Introducing a vintage car that he owns. Let's look at how ostentatious Jerry Seinfeld is now. He's no longer the everyman beaten down whatever. Now he's a guy who owns 86 vintage cars and goes flaunting around eating at restaurants. I'm sorry, I don't want to look at that anymore. Like, it's not interesting to me. Season 3, Episode 5. The guest is Tina Fey, and the title of the episode is Feces Are My Purview. All right. Well, you had me at Tina Fey because she's on my list. She's still on my list. I'm allowed to have that, that Tina Fey, if there's ever an opportunity. How about that? What do you think about that? Wouldn't be on your list, huh? You're more Joanna Newsom than Tina Fey. No response. I have no response to that. <laughs> Listen, we've totally sharded here. Yeah. To bring it back to the reason we started off this way. So, sad day. I was really 
unexpectedly, I guess not unexpectedly, but just I was more affected by P.S. Hoff's death than I thought it would be. It was just so surprising and upsetting. Like, of all the people, like, Bridges is, like, he's always drugging it up, stoned to bejesus. You think he's more of a, like, a wild card. I I know P.S. Hoff struggled with addiction, but he's 46 years old, you know? That is not old and... (sighs) Well, apparently he was sober for 23 years. That's what he said. Only up until last year. Right, he had that stint in rehab and... Theoretically. But they said they found, like, 50 bags of, like, shitty-ass heroin... So it's it's almost like he knew what he was doing. It's like I'm going to take a wild ride and go out like this or something. Like what kind of demons are you struggling with where that's the kind of thing you do? I just like w- with Well, it with, might be the kind of demons that Make him such a great actor? Well, I won't say make him a great actor, but maybe force him into working so hard, which in essence force, which is what made him so great. So is he running, like running from the demons? Never feeling... Content or like satisfied. like or satisfied or good about what he did. But I was like, yeah, that sucked. Well, don't you feel that way? sucked. Don't you feel like everything you do is shit? Like half the well, time? The difference is everything I do is shit three quarters of the time, maybe even four fifths of the time. So. But he probably felt like 90% of the time everything he yeah. did was shit. Yeah. Well, it also maybe just goes to show, like, you know, trying to chase that notion. And, you know, this is way off. I mean, so conjecture trying to, like, psychoanalyze someone that I've never. Well, I'm not even talking. Met, I'm talking about but, myself at this point. Yeah. And I'm just like. But, you know, yeah, I guess it just shows that you, playing that game of trying to always... Like chase perfection? What are you chase chasing? That, like, like trying to be better or the I'm, not, ideal. I'm never good enough or that sucked, I gotta do better, right? Like at some point, I mean, there's there's a level of that that I suppose is can be healthy, but it can also, you just can't chase that forever, right? That's one of these things. Like, just like... I don't know, maybe almost like greed or something, right? Like, you know, the cup you have chosen to fill has no bottom, if you will. That's interesting. I, see, I don't know if I agree with that. I think it's more like the recipe for your success is also the recipe for your ultimate demise or something. Like, they're both, they're both intertwined. Like, the thing you chase is going to be the thing that kills you. But it's also going to be the thing that gives you your fame, your fortune, the success, the ac- all of those things. Like, they're both intertwined with each other. Some kind of yin and yang thing. But there's people that make it work without destroying themselves. You know? Yeah. But it's a dangerous game. I guess. It's like you're riding the razor's edge or something. And you could fall either way. It's scary. It's scary. Anyway, we've 
lost what I referred to because the doctor, the reverend, posted on our Facebook page and just the comment was no. And I just said, we've lost a treasure. And I think that's, that's what it comes down to. We've lost a treasure. I don't know what lessons we take from it. Maybe there are none. Maybe it's just uh, how the whole human story, the human uh, keeps unraveling itself down through the ages, westward the wagons. But do you want to play the minute now on that note? I, I don't know. Let's do it. Let's play the minute and let's get, let's, uh, let's talk a little Lebowski. We'll try to reset, talk a little Lebowski. Of a million dollars from the foundation account, and he told me about this abduction. But I tell you, it is preposterous. This compulsive fornicator is taking my father for the proverbial ride. Yeah, but my... I'm getting to your rug. My father and I don't get along. He doesn't approve of my lifestyle, and needless to say, I don't approve of his. However, I hardly wish to make my father's embezzlement a police matter, so I'm proposing that you try to recover the money from the people you delivered it to. Well, I could do that. If you successfully do so, I will compensate you to the tune of 10% of the recovered sum. A hundred? Thousand, uh, yes. Bones or clams or whatever you call them. Yeah, uh, but, but uh, what about my... Your uh, rug, yes. Well, with that money, you can buy any number of rugs that don't have sentimental value for me. And I am sorry about that crack on the job. Oh, that's, that's, that's fine. That, that doesn't even... Uh... Here's the name and number of a doctor who will look at it for you. You will receive no bill. All right, so there we go. We're still in mods. What I will refer to as mods' home, her domicile, where she lives. Because for all we know, and this... I guess this is our first revisit, but this is really stuck in my craw how you and Laura insisted... Laura especially, that this was not Maud's home. But the more I see it, and I went forward in the movie, and then the dude comes back to the place and knocks Harrington's hanging out there. and She comes on back. It's just like, this is the only place we see her. She says, I'll send a car for you, and she brings the dude here. This is her home. This is where she lives. I'm sorry. And there's probably like, Little living space, bedrooms back in the back or something, but this, maybe even down the hallway. But this is her home. This is where she lives. I would say that since she has cars at her disposal to dispatch at all hours of the night and morning, that it's still an open question. I agree. It's an open question. It's a question without an answer, though. Even if you brought Joel and Ethan into this room right now, their opinion is just their fucking opinion, man. They don't have any better idea if this is her home or workspace than we do. Because none of that reality is covered in this movie. We don't know for sure if this is her home or not. So we are bound by the facts and the information we receive from the picture and the sound of the Big Lebowski. The 118 minutes that we see on screen and hear on screen. You can what, never know. What if the 
script. I'm staring deeply and furiously into the microphone right now, wondering what you're going to say. What if the script describes the location as Mod's home or Mod's studio? Mod's apartment. Apart muscles? Luxury apart muscles. <laughs> but does that translate to the film, to the pictures and sounds that we see and we hear? And if it doesn't, then it doesn't matter. I think it can tell us what their, the, the filmmaker's intention was. So I think it can provide some insight into that. A studio can be in your home. If it says interior well, was, studio yes. day, that's yes, not going to confirm it one way or the other. It can confirm it. I think it can confirm your theory if it said something like home or apart muscle. Right, but it can't confirm yours. But if it just said studio, unless it said like studio parentheses, not her home, <laughs> which it's not going to say, right, I don't think it can confirm that. that. Yeah. yeah. So it can only confirm my theory, and you will forever live in the nebulous ether, floating around like a mote of dust in the emptiness of space. Well, that's a horrible reality. I would rather live in my reality, where if... I might be able to confirm that this is, in fact, her home. I like living in the unconfirmable <laughs> truth. If this is her home, Dangerous she has game. bloody ice cream scoop breasts yeah. in it. Bloody boobs. <laughs> bloody boobs back there. You're really going to put that past her? Like she she would have bloody boobs. Oh no, I'm not I'm I'm just trying to clumsily segue. But <laughs> you know, it is. So the, yeah, well there's a mannequin torso. Yeah, blood boobs. With, what I'm going to say are ice cream scoops. It's kind of out of focus. Let's call them bloobs. Sure. It's at 4708 if you're so inclined to go see some bloobs. Yeah. I mean, it's through a lot of them. And through most of the time when Maude is talking, you can see them behind there. Um, I'm at 4717 and have a good shot of it. Yeah, they keep cutting but, back to it. But in essence, it's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know... It's like a thorax up of a mannequin. The mm -hmm. arms cut off, the head cut off, so it's only the thorax in the abdomen. And there's two ice cream scoops that have been, like, gouging out the nipples with blood running down them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this well, is not something you roll up into JCPenney and, like, walk out with. Like, hey, can I get one of your uh, bloody ice cream... Scoop, boob, thorax. But it could be mannequin. a pretty good feminist guerrilla art installation if well, that's what Maude it is. or someone similar was to go into JCPenney and replace or add to a mannequin the ice cream scoops in the blood. I think that's, that's what's going on here. But what does it I, mean? What's the message for like ice cream scooping out the nipples? Well, I mean, ice cream is a dairy product. Okay. Oh. Rests oh. Provide milk. It's a symbol of. I like it. You know the whole way uh, women's bodies are commoditized. I like this dairy angle you've got here. That's nice, huh? 
So, yeah, it's, you know, it's actually pretty pedestrian, and I think it's actually a little below mod in a way. Well, that's why it's not in JCPenney. It's probably a discarded project, like, eh, sitting back there on the table. She's not pursuing it. It's like you gotta you gotta do the shit the shit projects to get to the good projects sometimes, yeah, you know. Definitely. You, you gotta know. be willing to fail, experiment. Well and like I talked about, I think in a previous episode I went to the Andy Warhol Museum and that was his whole thing is just productivity. He was so prolific. It wasn't that every single fucking thing he did was so awesome. It's that he just did so much that eventually he got awesome and there was enough awesomeness. Even if like 5% of what he did turned out awesome, that's still like a megalithic amount of awesomeness that you and I could never hope to achieve because we would not cook meals. We would not ride on bicycles we would not watch television we would just be creating 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 right. non-stop well that's and i think that's kind of what mod's doing here it's like constant creation and like the uh the bloob mammary gland ice cream scoop piece that's possibly one of her failures but you have to do the the bloob piece in order to get to the uh, strongly vaginal works, you know, that she's commended for. Keep creating. Well, again, it all comes back to the female form and your comfort or relative discomfort in relation to said female form. I cheated. I did. I went to the Knox Harrington scene the next time we're in Maud's home. And, uh, the dude's saying to Maud, like, hey, no, she really was kidnapped. I got pretty definitive proof. From whom? From the main guy. Uli, what's his name? And Maud says, oh, her co-star in the beaver picture? And the dude's like, beaver? You mean vagina? But I think that's funny that Maud didn't say vagina. She was almost uncomfortable saying vagina somehow. And that's way out there, so I don't want to... Obviously, we shouldn't get too much into it, but... I'm just fascinated with Maud's character. So I wanted to have some some extra frame of reference here, some background, but... Well, I think... I mean, since you brought it up, you know, beaver is, I think, a more uncomfortable word than vagina. And I think as she says, you know, like she's trying to reclaim some of that language because as she says, you know, a man will refer to his, his, I forget now, something, Rod his dick, Johnson. His Rod, Rod or his Johnson. Johnson without batting an eye, right? So this is a similar thing, right? She's referring to a beaver in the context of a picture, a beaver picture. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. I don't like it. She's supposed to be comfortable with the vagina talk. 
Well, I think Beaver shows an extreme comfort with it. That's my that's my angle. No, you know what would show extreme comfort with it? If she said, cunt picture. Yeah, I just said that. Oh, everybody all of a sudden became very uncomfortable now, didn't they? That's if she was really comfortable. Oh, you're not allowed to say that, though, are you? Did I just fuck it up? Are we going to get shut down well, now? I would Is say... the whole podcast getting shut down because I said cunt? That's what she should have said. Yeah, but that's not... A cunt picture is not in the parlance of our times. If she wants to push the boundaries of comfort, that's what we should have said there. I don't know. Beaver? What's that? That's a word you can say all around has multiple meanings. It does. Dick, even if it's a man's first name, Dick still <laughs> still means dick, you know? You can't really ever say dick with a straight face. Everybody's always thinking penis, no matter if it's the man's first name or not. I have first-hand experience with this. I've known some dicks. I mean, I've known some dicks, but I've also known some dicks. But every time somebody rolled up into a room and was like, hey, dick, what are 80% of the people in the room thinking? They're trying not to chortle too loud. <laughs> they just said dick. Well, it's such a, you know, it was even in Twin Peaks, right? The the Dick Tremaine. Dick Tremaine, right? And there were they always had the, all the time, right? Like, Lucy would just add dick. Dick. To the end, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, dick, right? It's funny. Never, uh, never fails to amuse. So what you're saying is, you know, Maud's trying to, like, sort of usurp that whole, like, culture of, Referring to the male genitalia, she's trying to like, not usurp it, but like, level the playing field or something? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I think part of it could be that she just feels like, yes, she can use that word. And of course she can. And I also think there's some issue of, um, again, I think vagina is a more clinical word well yeah it's, it's a more yeah, neutral word exactly. so if she is going to be even more comfortable using language like that i mean going to a word a more slang word like beaver hmm. it's just okay i think you go from vagina to beaver okay. it's the next evolution Okay. All right, no, I'm 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 tracking. I'm tracking, man. I'm with it. I like it. I'm hip. I'm cool. Taka 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 taka. I I don't know if we talked about that, but those movies aren't funny anymore at all. I feel like we've talked about that 17 times on the show, but they're just not funny anymore. They are terrible. Mm. Which movies are you talking about? Austin Powers. I'm hip. Okay. I'm cool. 
taka 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 taka. You know, he's dancing. Yeah. Doctor Evil. They're just not funny at all. No. Terrible. They were pretty amusing at first. Yes. Yes. But, you know, they were just of a very specific, I think of a very specific time and a very specific time when we were of a certain age, maybe. I guess. Or maybe, you know, we're probably embarrassingly a little old to actually be enjoying the movie. I don't know. When, at the time? You Possibly. Think? Really? How old were you supposed to be to enjoy that? Like 15? Maybe. Oh, don't say that kind of thing. I don't know. But I don't know. Where do you get this shit sometimes? Like sometimes you're speaking out of your proverbial ass, I think. What does that mean? Everybody was liking that. Everybody no, was true. laughing Even around at it. In my uh my uh Yeah. In <laughs> Even my in my your office, what? In my <laughs> long time ago in my office there like was some sort of party like a Christmas party or something and, and everybody came dressed as party. Dr. Evil and Mini Me <laughs> that you you nailed it <laughs> Oh sh- a lot of vagina she stood there and bring her. it all the way back to the vagina a lot of vagina <laughs> See, like when you quote it and everybody's in on the same joke, like I can still quote things from that and it's like eh, mildly amusing, but it's actually funnier than the movie itself. Right. Which it's like, wow, all these quotes are funny. Let's watch the movie. Oh. And what? it's just terrible. <laughs> just stick with yeah. the quotes. Just quote it once yeah. in a while. Be be judicious like with it. Le- it's not like Lebowski no, quotes. No, you can use those anytime, 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 anywhere, as much as you want. I told you about the the picture I got from my good friend Lauren. Yes, a little speech bubble in parentheses. One guy is talking to another guy. First guy in parentheses anything. Second guy. Oh, that reminds me of a quote from the Big Lebowski, and it's so perfect. It's so true. Literally any scenario in life, there's something from Lebowski that can relate. Which, just underrated screenwriting chops for the Coens. And they've probably gotten their their due accolades at some point for their writing, I think. But I think Lebowski, like, you, it gets a lot of... It gets a lot of like, like press for, you know, the dude being a slacker and the absurdity and, you know, the pot smoking and the white Russian drinking and all the like dumbness and Walter being so bombastic and over the top. But there's so much nuance to this writing, which the, the first like entry level step into that world is like these repeated words that we talk about. That's the first thing which you pick up on the first time you see the movie. You sort of pick up on it on like a very surface level. It's like, wait, didn't they already say that? But the more now, how many times have we watched this movie up until minute, you know, 
48 now. Hundreds at this point. By the time we're finished with this, this thing, we will have watched this movie hundreds of times. There's so many layers and levels to this writing. It's incredible. Like, to produce something like this. Well, maybe that's just me chasing chasing the dream. Maybe that's a, a deep, dark rabbit hole that I don't want to go down. Because they probably weren't thinking that way when they wrote it. You know, they were just having fun. It's possible we're analyzing this movie too much, Brad. It might not be a good thing. It, it, I think it is totally possible we're analyzing it too much, but I also think that that could never be a bad thing. It's the whole... Yes. With that, we are creating a, a whole, it's a whole new act of creation, right? I guess. I will compensate you to the tune of 10% of the recovered sum. A hundred, uh, a thousand bones or clams, or whatever you call them. Whatever you call them. It's like money doesn't even mean anything to her. It's just right, a tool them. to do her bidding. Them. Whatever you call them. That's a, that's a nice way to live, you know? It's like Forrest Gump. One less thing to worry about. Money. I'm looking at 4707. Visual note now. And it's curious. So it's Maud sitting in the chair. She's still kind of looking over at the TV. And there's a pretty aggressive... We'll call it a hair light, but it's very much a side light. And it's orange, so the color temperature is a little warmer than the other lights. And it's hitting her hair, especially, and the side, her left side, our screen right side of her mm -hmm. robe. And I, I feel like they're trying to sell that as motivated by, like, the painting that she was just splattering the paint on in like two minutes ago. And those, um, you know, stand lights that are around the painting. But that's... Yeah, there are all, all kinds of weird little spotlights and stuff everywhere. And that's fine. I don't mind these background stuff. Like there's a work light in the back and, you know, lights shining on walls. But like this very orange, warm light, like perfectly rimming her in for the sole purpose of sort of like popping her out from the background which is so messy and muddy and sort of muddled it's a little much this is a little much this is one time where i feel like they overlit the scene because that's not motivated by anything that we've seen there except for the painting but the lights are shining down towards the painting i don't like it yeah, and I feel like it's not like that spotlight. Like, when I just see it, like if I just see, like, a, you know, if I would just see a frame from this. I don't know why. It's the color of the light, and... It's too it warm. Is a, it's very warm. It's kind of a diffuse light, I feel. Is that accurate? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's diffuse. It's just very warm and, like... 
it's directional. I f- even I even though if you look at her like face, it's like a window. I don't know why, but there's no fucking there's no window, window over there, there. But I feel like it looks like light from a window, and I can't explain why. That would be Just like I feel. it would be like light from a window with an arc sodium street light outside it. But we know we've seen that entire side of the apartment. There's above the painting. There's the whole like like very elevated ceiling with those weird windows up there. So like maybe you could make the case that like it's some sort of high rise that's way higher. And there's like splashing down this orange arc sodium type, you know, like you'll have in a parking lot, these really orange high intensity lights. But it's just not it because you would have seen that when they were right under the painting too. And the problem is her face is so starkly lit from screen left. Because you can see the shadow along the left side of her chin. Like, this is above and to her right, our left, screen left, where it's this above flat to the left. light coming down. Because look at her chin. Look at the edge of her chin. It's like you can tell where the light's coming from. And it's so flat. So where the hell is this, like, really warm orange light coming from? And for that matter, where's all this aggressive key light coming from what is that supposed to be so i think we talked about the like again there was a mannequin with like a mannequin head in the (laughs) abdomen yes and you get a really good shot of it in this minute i don't remember dude sits down to talk about his rug remember talking about that but i did definitely see it in this minute and it was crazy looking well, this stuff, like, I've seen this movie somewhere. I never took note of any of this artwork. The boob scoops or the I never head saw the in the boob, abdomen. The bloobs. Any of this stuff. Even the, the scissors, the giant painting of scissors that later comes back in his uh, Busby Berkeley dream. Like, mm-hmm. I never... Is that how you say that? Busby? Isn't it? Busby? I, don't know. I thought it was Busby, Busby but it's probably you're probably right. Maybe, probably maybe, Busby. Either way. Does it really matter? But the whole reason I bring it up yes. is because the red light shining in that mannequin, could that be the motivation for that light on her head? What like red light shining light. on the mannequin? What are you talking the about? The mannequin has, is like illuminated from in the inside. You talking about the bloobs? No, no, no. The mannequin that's behind the dude when he sits down, where the head is in the abdomen. Oh, oh, let me check. I mean, it's a stretch, maybe, but... Give me a time code real quick. 4744. I don't know. That's pretty red and not orange. Well, who knows what happens to the light once it gets out there? It's, you know, going through the air, changing color. Making its journey. There's radio waves hitting it. Who knows what? Exactly. Autobahn might be playing. They definitely color everything. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's not like it's not horrible, but so you had me parked at forty-seven forty-four, right? And if it's if you're gonna try to sell me on the idea that the um, you know, the abdomen face, the vaginal abdomen face back there with its red and white light is the motivation for mods, orangey side light. Then wouldn't the dude's right side in this shot be orangey too? It's not. It's nice, clear, white light. Looks fairly natural. Not orangey. So, no, it's not that. Stand by, I'll be right back. We're gonna have to edit this out. I gotta All go right. pee. I gotta go pee so bad. Alright, I'm gonna make a note of the time. Make a note of the time. It was becoming a very tense situation there. I understand. I know how that can be. I'm starting to like rooch around like like rooch. Now did rooch? you? Yeah, did you? Well, here. First of all, rooch? let me start it by saying this: Why is the dude's backlight white and Maud's backlight is orange? That was the question. That we were ending on, basically. Well, I have no answer to that. There's just a lot of lights. It looks right. Mod, that's Mod's palette. Mm. It doesn't have to follow the rules, as we say so many times. That's fine. But why? That's her palette? That's your answer? Yeah, that's her green, palette? Green... With the red hair, like that color light shining on her, just was right. I don't like this. I don't like this because I can't make sense of it. I can't. It doesn't have to make sense. Let it go, man. <laughs> There's no sense needed. I guarantee you that the Cohen brothers weren't saying, let it go, man. They thought about every aspect of this shit. They knew exactly what they wanted. Yeah, and they wanted it to look a certain way, and they're like, it doesn't matter. There's all kinds of lights everywhere in this apartment. But why did they want it to look like that? There was a reason. And you're saying the reason is, that's Maud's color palette, and it didn't have to be motivated by things in the scene? Well, maybe I can get behind that, but that's still a reason. Sure, that's the reason, yeah. It's not a reason in the sense that there's a logical reason, like there's a, um, you know, like a uh, some type of like European traffic light mounted to a post Understood. right off screen Understood. or something, right? Yeah, and I'm fine with that, but as long as there is a reason, I can't go around like, being like, there's no reason why things happen or why you make certain decisions well, in making a film. Like, there's always a reason. Well, let's talk about, you know, but again, like we've talked about the plot of this movie not making much sense. Like, in this minute, Maud says, I hardly want to make my father's embezzlement a police matter. So she asks the dude to get the money back. Like, what kind of logic is that? It's. Terrible logic? Stoner dude that did the drop-off, which already was a very bizarre choice. 
And now, Maud says, all right, well, go get the money back. Right, compounding one problem with a worse problem. Like, there's one mistake putting this guy in charge, and now you're going to compound that problem by putting in him in charge again. And giving him even more responsibility. Before, he was simply courier. Right, now he's got to, like, sleuth out the clues and find people find? and... Right. Right. Muscle it out of them. The grab hell? one of them and beat it out of him. Like, what is he going to do? <laughs> right. What's he going to do? <laughs> he's going to charm the money out of thin air? Ugh. There's so much wrong. I, today, for hours today, I was trying to figure out how on earth it, like, everything works with um, Uli Konkel, lead singer of Autobahn, like, perpetrating this fake kidnapping scheme. Did, like, just because he's been hanging out with Bunny, did he know that Bunny was going away and she was going to go visit cousins and wherever? So he's like, okay. He tells his little Autobahn friends, Flea and what's-his-nuts, Bunny's going to be gone for two days, so now's our perfect chance to send a fake ransom note. And we'll see if we can pull it off and get some money out of this guy before she comes back in two days. Was that their plan? I think it must have been. <laughs> but, but it went so far to cut off. To cut off a toe. Like, ugh. and they were really banking on this. And we're gonna have to really keep our eyes open to determine. If, in fact, you know, from the time the ransom note appears to the time Bunny comes back, if that is, in fact, like two days. I don't know why the two days is stuck in my head. I feel like Brant, who we always, you know, whenever we say that, that's colored by some sadness now. But I feel like Brant said she was visiting cousins for the weekend. But no, he says... She was visiting cousins or friends or something in a location, I think. They might yes. not timestamp it. Well, he... Yes? So, as we talked before, this is still all the same day. Well, no, no, no. Um, okay. I don't think. It's not. Here, well, here's what happens. The dude gets summoned over to... He goes and visits the titular Lebowski, and he shows him the ransom note. I want to say that's at night, although I'm not really sure. He's in seclusion. We'd have to go back. It's daytime when he gets the call, because he's doing his yoga, and he's just out of the bath. And he's got his new rug. That's when he gets the call. That's when Brant says, we've been trying to reach you. Right. It's daytime. Now, when he shows up at the house, it's definitely night, because he's supposed to meet them up in the hills 
in like 40 minutes or something. Well, well, well two things They called happened. 40 minutes ago. You're supposed to blah, 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 drive north on the 405, blah, 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 blah. But when we see him in the car, it's nighttime. So theoretically, right. well, that's the same day. So hours have passed. Well, what is the same thing? Because two things happen. He goes, sees, he visits the titular Lebowski, has the ransom note learns of the situation, right, and that they want him to be a courier, gives him a pager. Then it is, okay, I have the answer. That is definitely daytime. No, I take it back. It's not. I don't know what time it is. It's inconclusive at the Lebowski Mansion. There are no windows to be seen. But then the next scene is they are at the bowling alley with the Jesus, right? and it is daytime. What, you can how do you see know the windows. That, well, but then they go outside, right? They're, well, they're at the bowling alley with the Jesus. The dude says, yeah, I just have to make the drop-off, have the pager. Then dude is laying on his rug, listening to Dylan, gets punched out, dreams he's flying through the air, wakes up, and it's Brant trying to reach him. Now it's nighttime. They give him the phone. He goes, picks up Walter. Now, from everything, so everything from him lying on that rug until now has been the same day. Because it's all just been continu- contiguous. Like, he goes, he, he wakes up from being passed out. He goes see Brant. He gets the phone. Goes, picks up Walter. They go make the drop-off. It doesn't go so well. They go bowling. Fuck it, dude, just go bowling. They come back, the car is stolen. He's then back at his apartment and talking to the police. Then he gets the call from Maud saying, I'm sorry I took your rug. He shows up there, has that's where we are now, has the conversation. Then he's driving back from Maud's in the limo and it's night out, but I would say that's like the early morning hours. He's in instance stayed up all night, which we'd mentioned this before, being the time frame. So the one thing that's kind of uncertain is, is that the same day, like in the morning, he does the yoga, goes to see the titular Lebowski, sees the ransom note, then goes bowling, then goes home and lays on the rug, gets punched out, then, I mean, is that all the same day, or is there some, I think there's some wiggle room to say, like, you know, did he see you know he went and saw the titular Lebowski and the ransom note and then maybe it's the next day he's bowling right there's nothing there to really say exactly that time frame and in the titular Lebowski's house it could just be that he's in seclusion you know mourning here but you know all the curtains are drawn candles are going fireplace it definitely seems like night but there's nothing to say like it could be just the what they're going for like the what the characters are going for, like Brant sent it all up to be all, you know, um, oh we're we're heartbroken here. Do you know what's what's nice about what just happened? What? So sometimes I don't hear any of your words, but what I hear is is akin to to waves crashing onto a beach. It's very soothing, it's very comforting, but it's more about the noise of it than any of the words. 
So I just kind of like settled into a place where I was just hearing the, the comforting, soothing sounds of your voice, like washing up onto the beach. And I know you were talking about like time frames and days and nights, but you know, 20, 30 seconds into it, I was just, <laughs> I just was not, I was just like, I'm going to listen to the sounds of it and not. The message isn't as important. It's more no, just it's the not. enthusiasm <laughs> that I'm transmitting yeah, right now. I, and I loved it. And it was That's what's so, most important. Yeah. More important than anything. More important than anything. I get the gist of what you're saying. I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't listen to all the words. But what there was you were a lot of words. I talked for kind of a long time, I felt. I feel like that's what I do too much, and that you're very tolerant of it. And, and I just, in that, that extended moment, I was just happy to like have the, the, uh, the word waves crash over me. And it was nice. I liked it. But I, I get the gist of what you're saying, is that there's been one long extended day here that's been going on since fuck since they've ugh, since he got the call from brant and he's doing the yoga well i think it's like a 24 hour period until it's, now it's, even uh it's i don't know that seems i think a, little a aggressive. case could be made that it's not because god it's damn definitely it. from him getting punched out until now has been one long stretch of time think about like a Saturday, you've got all the time in the world. You've got all day to do whatever you want. And like, if you get to the grocery store and then come home and make one meal, like, holy shit, I've accomplished something. And then if you put your socks away, woo wee, you've done something. So I don't know, to do all of these things in a 24 hour period, that seems pretty aggressive. You know what I'm saying? You always think like like you make a little list of shit you're going to do in a sure, day, sure. but you never do it. And if you get two out of the ten items done, you feel pretty proud of yourself. Well, see, I don't. I always make the list, and no matter how small I try to make the list, I only ever get 10% of it done. And I'm always like, why? Why? <laughs> and the dude is possibly one of the laziest men in Los right. Angeles County. So, boy, that's... See, to me, this always well, seems like... That's why this is like a, an adventure. This is like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Frodo going to Mount Doom or whatever. It, gotcha. His, True. His day of just going around <laughs> L.A. for a whole day is like an arduous quest. Like, literally here. just moving his meat sack from one place to another is a accomplishment for him. And he's done it like six times. He's had to move himself from place to place. That alone is pretty impressive and an accomplishment. Yeah. But then add on top of that, the fact he's got to use his brain to like sleuth some shit out and get yeah. punched well, a lot. Like yeah. another way, another way to look at it is he's, uh, he's also in some way, not necessarily fully in control. He's just going with this flow. That's now usually it's just a little trickle. You know, like snow melting, you get a little trickle of water down the street. Nothing. Now it's like a gusher. A gusher, a fruit gusher. Taking them everywhere. It's a gusher! <laughs> <laughs> it's... I don't... 
know what that was, but I liked it. It was a gusher. <laughs> Speaking of gushers, let's talk about Lindsay Lohan for a second. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've had a a Lindsay Lohan alert. That was a regular segment for a long time, and we kind of she was all over the place. But like, haven't been on it. But yeah. So what's up with? uh, Well, no, it's not that we haven't been on it. She just hasn't been. Maybe she's either been like behaving herself or like being a total shithead. I guess. Anyway, uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. Not to date this episode or anything, but she was hanging out at One Oak in New York City. Super Bowl party. And she left half of her two-piece $75,000 fur coat in the bar, but the Super Bowl winner's wide receiver Sidney Rice found the half of it and knew it was hers and took it with him and then called her the next day. And returned it. She called the bar, kind of freaking out, like, oh, half of my $75,000 fur coat I left there on the seat. Do you have it? No, we haven't seen it. But Sidney Rice got it and right. returned it. So we can all breathe the, a sigh the of relief. The caption here says, Rice won't be playing in Sunday's game due to an injury, but he did save one of a two-piece fur coat belonging to Lindsay Lohan after she supposedly left it at an NYC nightclub on Wednesday. And there's some controversy Why where... did she supposedly leave it? Well, because the... He, but he didn't supposedly return it? Well, the, it, the it bar, like... when TMZ called the bar up, they were like, she didn't leave shit here. That's such bullshit. So it's like... Oh, they're manufacturing some kind of story or something. Well, what kind of a story is this? I don't know. This? It's stupid. Like, why would you do that? It means nothing. But One Oak is saying, quote-unquote, the Canyons actress's story was bogus and that she never left anything inside their establishment. Well, like, what the she hell? didn't leave it because Rice took it. Right? <laughs> well, right? Well, she left it, but then he immediately found it, I guess. So how is it, how would the, how would these people know? Like, it's bullshit. She didn't leave any, like, I don't know, man. This is what passes for entertainment in this country right now. Is a football player who didn't actually play and a washed up, basically, porn actress. That's what amounts to entertainment. Because she Lindsay left her LaJoya. <laughs> Lindsay LaJoya left her seventy five thousand dollar half of half half of her seventy five thousand dollar fur coat in a bar and a football player found it and returned so it to her. Speaking of the Super Bowl Or it was a big fabrication. Yes, yeah, speaking of let's speak of the Super Bowl. Flea performed at the Super Bowl. That was fucking awesome. Kind of. I have to admit that that was... I didn't know they were going to come out and do that. That was pretty cool. Well, did you hear the quote-unquote controversy there? Oh, God. No. That their instruments were not plugged in. Well, why would they be? You're not going to leave that up to chance. Like Exactly. You just got to... 
You got to be well, okay with that at this point, you know? I mean, I believe in Flea's little letter explaining it that, you know, they could have pretended to plug it in, which is what other performers would have done, but they were openly acknowledging that, yes, this is just a act. Right. It's an kind act. Kind of a thing. And they, you know, he listed like the three other times in their career they did it and they were never comfortable with it. And they debated doing this, but it was like, you know, it's Super Bowl. Yeah. And yes. we, it's like awesome, like once in a lifetime opportunity. And we're all football fans on top of it. So, heck yeah, we're going to do it. It's theater. Exactly. It's not rock and roll. It's theater, you know? Yep. Fuck. People can shut up about it. I would agree. Like, I mean, I think you're a performer, he has you're an perfect, entertainer, you know? I mean, I think his, I really put stock in his explanation that, you know, if he really wanted to fake it for real, like, they wouldn't have obviously just been playing instruments that weren't plugged in. <laughs> <Right. laughs> you know, like that, they intentionally did not even pretend to plug it in. Right. They're props. Yes. And let's face it, if they were plugged in, like they were probably, you know, method acting so much so that even if they were plugged in, it probably would have sounded pretty good because they were probably still like actually kind of playing that shit, you know? Yeah. Well, they recorded the thing that was played was recorded like they recorded it specifically for that Super Bowl performance. Oh. I, mean, I guess they would have hmm. had to. Right. But would they? Why? Well, I didn't see it, but I imagine it was kind of an arrangement that's not typical for them. I guess so. I mean, what wasn't it? I don't know what it was. I'd imagine it was probably some type of give it away, give it away, give it away now. Well, didn't they perform with Bruno Mars? They did. They did. So wouldn't they have had to? I just imagine it was somehow modified to accommodate that. Well, you know, Bruno Mars opened by like playing a kick-ass drum solo. I see. So number one. Apparently, he plays drums, I guess. Number two, does that mean that those were real drums? Like, it's hard to fake playing drums. Like, you're going to be hitting those things. Like, you can literally see him hitting the drums. Now, obviously, you can't hear that from quarter of a mile away, but was that recorded, too? Bruno well, Mars is opening drum that The Chili Peppers, it says the drums were recorded. So. It was just the singer. The singer's voice was not recorded. Who, Kiedis? Anthony Kiedis? Yes. So he was actually singing? That's what it says huh. in, on this thing here. Yeah. So it was like they just had to worry about. Interesting. Because they do it because, again, of the sound. Yeah, it's you, you it's know, they're, they're switching so things out. They don't want Oh, the, yeah, it's just. Be like, oh shit, there's like, quick, like, move, you know, patch this cable through. You know what I mean? The whole thing is a nightmare, logistically. Yeah, all they really have to do is worry about, like, his microphone. All right, we'll do, like, one thing. Yeah, you're setting up an entire stage. Like, you know, somebody like U2 goes around and tours across the world. Like, they probably, they set up for a day or two. Right. Just for one performance. Let alone play some football. Now you have about five minutes to set up the equivalent of a U2 show. Possibly even crazier than that. 
You're just not going to be able to worry about getting the sound just right. It's not going to happen. That being said, when Justin Timberlake, and when I say Justin Timberlake, I mean Justin Timberlake, when he ripped off that nipple patch, that was on purpose in 2003. I think that has now been officially stated. Has it? I mean, it's obvious if you watch it. I, I think the question is that the the point of contention now is did NBC know or did Janet plan it secretly or something to that effect? <laughs> well, why? NBC wants to say, hey, we had no nothing about this. Of course they do. They have to say that. That was they don't probably want to lose the ability, like you know, to actually be a network. <laughs> that was part of the agreement from the get-go. It's like we will deny, 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 deny. But go ahead and rip that thing off and have a little pasty on there. It's not like we saw her nipple. There was a pasty on it. Well, it wasn't a pasty. It was like a jewelry piece. Isn't that all a pasty is? It's a little jewelry well, piece on feel that like... just covers the nipple. But it all right. Let me take. I gotta take a look at this. Oh, you're gonna look at it up. See, I have not. I clicked on the link that I already had here just so I could get the verbiage right for the Lindsay Lohan because I felt like that was an important update. But I haven't been googling around, man. Like you can see her nipple. I don't know about that. You can definitely see her nipple now. You can well okay. Let's put it this way. I guess if we want to get really technical, it's right, bedazzled. You can see, it's bedazzled, Brad. It's a bedazzled nipple, but it's a nipple nonetheless. You can definitely. What the fuck does that mean? It's got it's that it's got some dazzling over it. That means you're not seeing the nipple. You're seeing the shiny gems and sequins that are over the nipple. There is. It's kind of like a starfish pattern. And you're saying in the little cracks, in the little... You can see the... There's areola or something? There's areola, and it's like a nipple piercing. So, like, through the center, her nipple actually points out and is pierced. Are you telling me that Janet Jackson has a pierced nipple? A left Or it's nipple? something... If it's not a piercing, it's like a faux piercing. Like, it maybe somehow just is attached on there to look like that. You're telling me you can actually see a part of her honest-to-goodness nipple. I feel as if that's what I'm seeing. Hmm. But I could be misinterpreting what I'm seeing. But hmm. well, it's hard to see because all of these photographs are in rather low resolution. So I could be way effing off and making a fool of myself yet again. Right, because most of it was standard def. So like people are just grabbing screenshots. They still had like TiVos and shit, maybe. But it's all standard def. Not seeing much there. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I really thought that there was just a pasty over it, bedazzled or no, that it was covered, but only, like, just to the edges of the nipples. But it was covered. You weren't actually seeing But You're saying a little bit. You got some peek through there. You got a little peek through. I say I would say there's a very fair amount of peek through. Huh. Uh, you know, if that's the case, I can't imagine NBC would agree to it. And that that was kind of like a little rebellious thing. 
I mean, even if it was a complete pasty, it's still a lot of exposure for network television. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. But no worse than NYPD Blue, you know, 10 years before that, so. But this is not watched by whatever, a billion people. (laughs) Yeah, and families. Right, families who tune in for, oh, the one football game we'll watch, and we're going to watch it for the commercials and the halftime show. Here's a nipple. You're welcome, Quaker children. Does the female form make you uncomfortable? The word itself. Nipple. Wardrobe malfunction. (laughs) Here we are again. Oh, Jesus. There's so much... Talking about the female form. We didn't fucking get to here, but I feel like we gotta start to shut it down. Yeah, Um, I I think so. Well, what did we not get to? Uh, let's one. Let's go one thing we did not get to, and then we'll shut it down. All right, let's get to one thing we didn't get to. Oh, how do I choose? Do I do dreams, movies we've seen, or so you're saying there's nothing we didn't get to from the minute? There's one thing we didn't get to from the minute. Would you rather let's, I did that? Let's do that. All right, let me do that, and we'll we'll readdress the other stuff in another episode. We can always just keep pushing that back. (laughs) Right. So, if you look at... This is a visual slash reflective surfaces note. If you look at 4707, this is just after... Maud has sat down. She's talking about the abduction. This compulsive fornicator, blah, 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 blah. She has set the remote down, the gigantic remote on the arm of this chair. Yes. Okay, it's at an angle. If you look at like what how many degrees is that angle if you look at the inside um, line of the arm of the chair and then judge the angle of the remote to it. 32 degrees? Um, It's not 45. We're looking at around like 4700 or so. Well, I'm looking at 4707, but it's... Well, it's the same shot, I think. Probably, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Let's see, yeah, it's the same shot. I would say, yeah, so I would say that is... 35, 32, 35, maybe? Yeah, somewhere in there. I mean, if it's 40... Closer to 35 than 32. Yeah, closer to 35 than 32. So go to 47.12 now. And look at the angle of the remote. And you can only see the butt end of it there. Yeah, it definitely... Well, I think it's not only a different angle, but it's also in a different position on the arm. It's much closer to the edge, to the inside edge. It's almost hanging off. Let me see this for a second. I mean, it's hanging off a little bit in the first shot. Yeah, no, it's hanging off way more. So it's way more angled and way hanging off. That yeah, was the so only it's other thing. definitely a different take. The remote is in a different position. Right. So they had to reset this thing, reset the shot, and they didn't get it quite right. Because it's like, oh, put the remote on the chair. It was that sort of an angle. Okay. But they're not going to be there measuring with a protractor. Like, 
it was at a 35.72 degree angle. You just kind of get it sort of in the same place, and then it's fine. But that's the kind well, of thing that bugs it... me. I That bugs me. It's like, that should be correct. Not... Well, you see, the part of the issue is Mod puts the remote down. So if they did multiple takes, right, here's Julianne Moore putting the remote down. Do you think maybe they did each take? They ran through the whole thing on this close-up, and she put it down slightly differently, instead of, like, they did this 12 hours later, and they tried to reset. Well, let's put it this way. They did this shot previously of her sitting down in the chair and putting the remote down multiple times. So if they are going to do that next shot, which time, which remote position are they going to do? Are they going to match it to? Which previous take? They don't know which one they're going to use at that point. So, I'm sorry, but I'm having a hard time concentrating on anything you're saying. It's my uh, it's your... dulcet tones. <laughs> if you look at... well, This is the reason, though. If you look at 47.13 now, after this remote business. I'm looking on the other side of the frame, and it's right below the uh, ice cream scoop blue mannequin thorax. We've got another, like, hinge, door hinge, slash, uh, doorknob, uh, confounding visual mystery going on. If you, oh, with the, the chair. The chair, right? Yeah. The well, f- I think it's part of her art. That's part of her. That's gotta be. And I was looking at that when we were talking about the ice cream scooper thing, but I did not. Yeah, I just. It's, it was one of these things where I was just like, you know what? I, my brain does not want to go there right now. No, because it's too much to really get into. But it is some kind of weird, kind of, yeah, like optical illusion that's real. In essence, the chair is somehow pushed underneath the table yet also it's in front of the table table. right it's like the iconic cover of um Styx's Grand Illusion album which we can this is somewhat of a Grand Illusion right here in Mod's apartment it is we'll put that in the show notes in fact I see we've made one note that's nice always always on top of our game we are I'll put that in the Grand Illusion Illusion Grand Illusion album cover. We'll make a note to put that there because that's what that looks like with that horse with the trees where its legs are in front and its body's in back. And it's a famous painting, which might itself be called the Grand Illusion for all I know. You probably know more about this than I do. So. Oh, that Grand Illusion. Yeah. I see. See how it's like the horse, but in all the trees, but it's on different, it's behind them, in front of them. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. The album cover art created by Alton Kelly and Stanley Mouse is an homage to a painting by Rene Magritte entitled Le Blanc Song. There you go. Le Blanc Song. S-E-I-N-G. I don't know how to say that. I'm just pretending I'm fancy. I just was pretending I was saying what you were saying, and I thought I'd sound fancy too then. I'm glad we had a little Lindsay Lohan update. I made a point today to like do a little Google search on her and see if she came up. And there you go. Within the last two days, she was in the news. So good for her. 
Good for her. I am going to start a new thing, Bradley. Hi, Brad. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm good, Seth. How are you doing? Excellent. You know what's great about that is I listened to, and we're going to have to put this in the show notes too because we didn't get to it, but the etymology of the word dude. It's a fantastic podcast by Lexicon Valley. And their most recent episode was 36 glorious minutes of the etymology of the word dude. They had a guest speaker on who was from University of California, San Diego. And his name was fucking Seth. And I was like, hell yeah. Perfect. Yes. It all is connected. But it was great. It was um, a really fascinating history of the word. So we'll post that there. Too much to get into right now, but we'll post it there. And that was uh, from one of our esteemed colleagues and listeners, uh, Ben, sent that our way. And we didn't even get to the big Lipinski, but it's just too much. You can't do it all. You can't fucking do it all, man. We'll put the big Lipinski up on the Tumblr. There you go. That's a good place for it. The cultural significance of the Big Lebowski it w- knows no bounds. It doesn't. It widens and widens. It's like the Borg. It's a cultural Borg. Now, what the hell am I looking at now? At 4713. What? Oh, I see. I got confused again. It's another little illusion. All right. Well... Gutterballs.tv. We're gonna, I'm going to start a new feature here. I'm I, uh, pretty excited about it. And this is um, nicknames for Brad because I, I have a nickname. My nickname is Seth. I love it. It's great. I was almost named Seth. It's wonderful. But, but you, my friend Bradley, need a new nickname. So we're going to be starting a new feature. <laughs> A new feature, <laughs> a new feature where we um we run down uh, potential nicknames for you, and y- you know you'll be seeing this. It'll be coming up. It'll be a la phones ringing, dude, or extra frames. Um, so look forward to that coming up. And I invite anyone who has an idea for a nickname for Brad to please submit it. Gutterballs.tv, I guess, and you do yep, like Gutterballs TV. Hit, click, contact. Boom. Type it up. Type it up and say, and "Send." Here's some nicknames. We'll see it. Uh, I'll, I'll give you one that I had. Scruggles. <laughs> There's one. So if you can do better than that, which shouldn't be too hard, uh, send in some nicknames for Brad. Barley Shanks Longman. There's one. I like that. Yeah, not too bad. It's kind of like a traffic album on acid. All right, Brad. All right, Adam. <laughs> I don't know what this was, but it was episode 48 at the very it least. It was an odyssey. <laughs> an odyssey into the very soul of mankind. <laughs> at least I feel it was. Yeah, at times, at times, at other times, it was buffoonery. 
but needless well, to say it was, a, it was an odyssey uh, into the soul of mankind a buffoonacy perhaps but once we got there all we discovered was buffoon <laughs> next time on Gutterballs <laughs> oh fucking A man I got a rash man <laughs> <laughs>